What it do, golf fans? Welcome back to the Terran Dogs Golf Podcast. This is Liam. Alongside me is Jack. Jack, we had a short week in golf. Uh, we had two different live tournaments this weekend. We had My Copa and we had Pebble Beach. What did you think of the week? Well, for anybody that does not understand that reference and lives under a rock, there were two 54 hole events, both no cut, um, both pretty much elevated events if you think about it in terms of what was going on. One player that won moved up in the world rankings by 40%. One player moved down after winning their event in the world rankings, which is a hot topic in the world. Um, it was it was fun, though. I love Pebble Beach, so I'm disappointed that I didn't get to see all four rounds. Um, it was fun while it lasted. Coverage was honestly a little bit better than before. Um, but I also watched Liv on Sunday because there was nothing going on. Uh, and it was tremendous too. So it is, it was just a great week for golf. Um, but we would like to see a Monday finish. Yeah. I was a little disappointed. There wasn't a Monday finish. I felt like a lot of the, a lot of my DFS lineups and bets probably would have benefited from a fourth oh, yeah. round. I had a lot of guys that were just outside of where they needed to be and basically shaping up to be within those numbers by the end of the next round. Um, so it's unfortunate that on, for that front, there was only three um, three rounds played. Now, if you had Wyndham Clark, who ended up winning, um, who again shot 60 on Saturday, congratulations. Um, if you had Matthew Pavan, who finished third, uh, congratulations to you as well, because you picked basically the rabbit out of the hat that not a lot of people seem to get to. Um, but yeah, o- overall, a super, super weird week. Was there anything in particular that stood out to you as far as um, maybe guys that did better th- or worse than you anticipated? Yeah, there were, I mean, there were a couple guys. I think a lot of the big names really struggled, and I don't know if that was weather. I don't know what that was. I mean, Xander Shoffley, Victor Hovland, both of them were out, outside the top 50 for a majority of the event. Yep. Two big hitters that were going into it. Um, it was just an interesting week all around, but for the most part, there were guys in the leaderboard that you would not think would have been there looking at course history and course form that were there. Um, and I think Pebble's one of those courses, especially when the weather picks up, that exposes a lot of things, heightens a lot of things. And I think we saw it come out in a lot of golfers. But I also think that, I don't know, I don't think the attitude from a lot of players making Pebble Beach an elevated event was very high. From what I see in the golf community, a lot of way that the players are talking about it. And I, I attribute it a little bit to weather, too, that yeah. I'm sure they weren't thrilled. But it just... This isn't an event that a lot of tour players in the highest degree attend for what reason? I'm not 100% sure because Pebble's arguably the best course on earth in terms of scenery that's not Cypress Point and, you know, they're not going to get on. Um, but it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it, it was weird because although it was an elevated event, it just didn't have that same feel. Um, and, and maybe now we're just getting more accustomed to elevated events. Um, so it could be like a, you know, drowning in the sorrows of excess kind of deal where it's like, we we've gotten so accustomed to it that it just no longer has that same flair. Um, or maybe it's cause not as many of the top names now go to these elevated events cause they're on live. Uh, that could be part of it as well. Um, but I, I, I agree. It just felt like a really weird week specifically at Pebble beach because of the whole 54 holes, not, not you know, not that strong feeling that everybody was used to. Um, 
and again, I, I, I guess admittedly on my end too, biasly because I didn't, I didn't do that well in terms of DFS and bets as well. I, I was hoping I'd do better. So maybe, maybe that's another reason why I wasn't as big of a fan of it. I, I also think admittedly, um, these next seven days are some of the best days in golf outside of majors, outside of the majors. Um, I, I, as a, as a casual golf fan from time to time, um, I think that the waste management brings out some of the, the most casual of golf people into the space. And again, you can blame it because it's because of 16 and the rowdy par three. And I will agree with you, but people start coming out onto the golf course when they see 16 and for whatever reason, it does the job. That's I'm part of that old school crew, man. I don't, when when someone makes a hole in one, I love watching. I love watching the beer thrown and I love all that crap, but I don't know. I'm old. I like the nature of like, the masters i don't want to turn on tv and see 40 people with their phones i want to see people enjoying the golf and being respectful and whatnot and i think that's where live really hit their market they have players blasting music and again first off for anybody that doesn't know live betting has become legal in a majority of states now but not just winnings now it's placement now it's all these things expanding so last week i also was able to place and post a couple bets so looking down the rabbit hole of what Turn Dog Golf Pod um, continues to be and continues to grow into, I think we'll have to openly discuss betting on live a little bit more um, in the future and continue to develop what we talk about as live continues to be a prominent space in the golfing world. Yeah, I mean, if, if there are weeks where, where Liv is playing and they have betting odds up, you know, maybe we, we got to devote a small portion of our time to you know, uh, uh, upside of live and it dig a little bit into the metrics on that front. I'm, I'm totally open to that. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens and how long that lasts in terms of years. They might end up all just merging together and being one big, you know, golf betting scene all over again here in five to 10 years. But we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll at that point, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. That's down the road problem. Um, continue, continuing back to Pebble beach. Um, again, I, I think a lot of the names that stuck out that just didn't do very well. Max Homa finished T66. Um, I was high on Nick Taylor because of his course history. He finished T71 out of 80 guys. Um, you talked a little bit about Hovland and Xander both not really playing well. Um, and then you had the other end of the stick, which I talked about. Uh, Wyndham Clark, Pavon, uh, Tom Hoagie, who finished T6. Um, Scotty Scheffler, I think, was top 10 as well. Um, shocking. I know the guy never makes top 10. Uh, but I, I, I think I went over most of the people in the, in the, in the field there in terms of top tens, bottom tens, things like that. Do you want to go over uh, DraftKings lineups and FanDuel's? Yeah, really quickly. I just want to say that uh, fun fact about um, Nick Dunlap, who won the Merit Express and pocketed zero dollars, now finished dead last in a tournament and collected what is the minimum like 36. It's either 36 or 72,000. I don't have the number offhand, but has made more money. For finishing dead last and winning, so because, because it's an elevated event and it's no cut, I, I'd guess it was seventy-two thousand. I, uh, I don't like know that, the specifics, yeah. but it would make sense. Um, but yeah, my DraftKings to start off um, did have this weird. Some people that were good and some people that were bad. It, it was just really hard. Um, luckily, in the bottom, I did have Pavan, so placement points were at a premium there. Um, I had Xander at the top, which hurt a lot. Um, Ludwig Abreg, Nikolai Hoyard, uh, JT Poston, who's looked incredible. Yep. Um, and then Brian Harmon, a little bit of a middling performance, but Pavan really carried me at 7,100. Um, one double ups, 
and single entry, it looked like a lot of people were struggling with uh, the last week. Yeah, I don't know why on DraftKings everybody everybody seemed to have some real tough uh, some real tough lineups. I think people were just really high on Hovland and Xander, and that probably tanked a couple of lineups here and there. Or yeah, or mine Hovland. was heavy in. I saw a lot of Homa, Sungjae, Fitzpatrick. I saw a lot of Cam Youngs, yep. and those I think the best out of those four is like 58th, 59th place. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you on my on my DraftKings lineup, I had Max Homa and he finished T66, so that was ugly. Um, but I did cash in single entries and double ups because I also had Matthew Pavon, um, who was third. I also had Tom Hoagie and Scotty Scheffler, who both finished T6. I also had Jordan Spieth and Maverick McNeely, who were both T39. Um, so really outside of my one bad play there at Homa, which again is when you sit there and say, yeah, you sit there and you say Homa bad play. I mean, uh, you know, blind, blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Guys are not, not going to finish top 10 every week. Uh, but outside of that, all things considered pretty good week. Yeah. I hope you completely ignored my FanDuel. Um, start off with roars at field of Rory to 12,200 through six holes on Thursday. He looked like he was going to win by eight shots. Um, there was a stat on Golf Channel that was like he was six under through his first eight holes and like 14 over through the rest. It was just wild. Um, him, Xander, Ludwig, Hideki, Patrick Rogers, and Taylor Moore was my Fandle lineup. Safe to say, I did not pocket any money on Fandle this week. Yeah, you know that, that's the first one in a while where I, where one of us is really missed on a uh, on a DFS lineup. So all things considered, our our hit percentage in terms of making money on those are still are still quite high. Uh, for FanDuel, I won on double ups. I lost on single entries. Um, I had Scotty Scheffler again, T6. I had Hoagie again, T6. Um, I had Spieth, T39. Mav McNeely, T39. And then I had Homa, T66. Nick Taylor, T71. Um, so it's not pretty. But again, I think both those T6s kind of carried me. And fortunately, all of the other big names struggled. So we'll take it. And then jumping into bets. Um, not a great week for me. Um, I think that's back-to-back losses for me. Um, so we did have Rory top 10 loss, Xander top 20. That was a loss. Ludwig Aubrey top 30 was a winner. Nikolai Holyard 31st or better. Thank the Lord we did 31st or better was a, t- uh, a winner. Hideki top 30 was a loss. Hovland top 20 was a loss. JT top 20 was a win. Minus 1.58 units on the week. Um, 25.39 units up on podcast picks overall. And then um, through Twitter, the only two I really did outside of these, because obviously elevated, we're not getting a lot of cuts or damaged plays, um, were my two live picks, um, Cam Smith top 10 and Carlos Ortiz top 20. What 0.38 units up on that. So 32.82 units up overall on Twitter, extra picks as well. There you go. Um, all things considered, I, I just looked through it. I haven't gone up in terms of uh, winning on bets since the century. So that sucks. Um, and the, the trend is going to continue this week. Um, I went one for four on bets. Um, I had Max Homa top 30, which I thought was going to be the lock of all locks. That was a loss. Nick Taylor top 30. That was a loss. Um, Maverick McNeely top 30. He finished T39, I think, with another round. Um, he shot six. Oh, he shot six under um, on Saturday and finished T39. I think one more round at Pebble Beach with Maverick Neely, he probably would have hit this, um, which unfortunately would have basically zeroed me out in terms of winnings. Um, instead, I lost two units. My only win was Jason Day over Sam Burns. 
that was a sweat because I think Jason Day finished T fourth and I think Sam Burns finished T six. Um, so I didn't make it very easy on myself by any means. Uh, but yeah, one for four down two units. I'm now positive 1.62 units on the year. Um, and again, that's with four straight weeks of losing bets, which is sucky. Admittedly, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to switch that around on one of my favorite events outside of majors this year, uh, here with, here with waste management coming up. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, my wild card pick for the week was a top 20 parlay of Rory, Scotty and Hovland. Shout out Scotty for being the lone ranger there hitting that one. Um, that was a loss. I, I don't even know what to say about that one. Yeah, I mean, my mine was Kevin U top twenty at plus two twenty. Um, again, not the most confident of, of of picks in terms of of what I was anticipating there. Um, I don't I don't even hate it if I go back to him this week and also bet Kevin U like top forty as a wild pick this week. Because um, again, I, the guy's been so streaky that it 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 it's not the worst likelihood on the planet of hitting. Um, but yeah, that was a loss last week. And then I'm going to dip right into winners because neither of my winners did all too good. Um, I had Jordan Spieth, who finished T39, which sucks that I wasted Spieth on a week where he basically finished right at the middle. Um, and then I had Nick Taylor, who finished T71. And turns out I should have saved him for the RBC Canadian Open. But yeah. I um I thought I was going with a brick wall here with top of Victor Hovland being a U.S. Am champion here, and um, oh my lord, that did not pan out at T58. And then I went sneaky Brian Harmon, thinking it may have been a small ball week at T54. Ooh, okay, uh, so not, neither neither of us really crushed it this week in terms of winners picks. We're we're gonna blame the fluky weather. We'll just we'll just call it uh call it there at the uh, oh my gosh at the pro am at the at geez Pebble Beach. That's yeah. that's the event, Liam. You got there eventually. Um, let's just right. go on to waste management. Yeah, let's let's get out of there. Let's get to the sunny uh, the sun of Phoenix, Arizona. We're going to the waste management Phoenix Open. Um, everybody that that has any interest in golf probably knows about this event. Um, we already kind of talked about it. The 16th hole is part three. It's got basically a miniature stadium built around it, and it is, I think, iconic at this point, all things considered. Um, this course overall is a par 71, totaling 7,250 yards. Um, last year's winner was Scotty Scheffler. Um, the year before that, the winner was also Scotty Scheffler. Um, he's pretty good here. You'll you'll real quickly learn that. So there are 11 players who have won here in Phoenix that have also gone on to win at the Players' Championship the same year, which is crazy. Now, it wasn't always referred to as the players when they won it, but it was that tournament in terms of... Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, it wasn't always the players, but again, eleven players won in Phoenix that later went on to win the Players Championship or whatever it was called that year. Um, at that same year, uh, something important to know is Tita Green is huge this week. Ball striking is going to be extremely important. Irons are also an extremely important statistic to look at. Uh, this event is usually set up as like a quote unquote no putt week. Uh, players like Scotty Scheffler, Hideki Matsuyama. Kyle Stanley, Kevin Stadler um, have all won here despite ranking nearly last in strokes gained putting leading. Yeah, up. and the reason for that is is um, it's the second largest proximity from the green and second shortest amount of putts made on tour. There you go. So, so if you're looking into the statistics, this is not a week where I would put very much weight on putting. Um, bad putters can do good here, but again, if somebody's a good putter, that's not a 
a bad thing, but it's just yeah. less less of a priority. Um, there's a lot of guys who have made a lot of cuts in a row here. I won't dig through all of them, but like Max Homa, Justin Thomas, Sung J.M., Brian Harmon, Sam Ryder, Adam Hadwin, Benny on Hideki, Billy Horschel, Stuart Sink, um, just to name a few. They, they make a lot of cuts here. Um, this event outside of probably Augusta and maybe one or two other events is quite course history related. Um, so I know usually that's something that's a little bit more of maybe a, a 50-50 split on a guy. You just take the one who's got more course history. Don't be afraid to dig into it a little bit more this week and put a little bit more weight on the course history because um, it's it's shown to be pretty effective, all things considered. Yeah, it's the fourth highest course rank model of all PGA Tour events. Um, okay, we'll we'll leave it with that. You want to dig into the uh, into the DraftKings pricing here? Yeah, so just for anybody, if you haven't seen yet, Xander Shoffley, Victor Hovland, Patrick Rogers have all withdrawn. Those are three big names. So rankings may look a little bit different. Odds may look a little bit different over the next 24 hours. Um, it's hard to say because the top two is now down to Scotty Scheffler at 11,600 and Justin Thomas at 10,000. I think we can get through this lineup pretty, or this, this area pretty quickly. Um, I think they're both great plays. If you can get one, if you can get one of them in, that's great. If you can get both of them in, that's great. Um, Scott, Scotty is 1600 more than Justin Thomas. Um, you, usually that would automatically put me on Justin Thomas as, as the option to choose. Um, but again, th- if there's any course that really stands out to me as a Scotty Scheffler style course, it's probably waste management. This is a, this is a really good course for how he plays golf. Um, so I'm, I'm comfortable with either. I mean, Scotty Scheffler is first in the field in strokes gained off the tee strokes gained approach and strokes gained tee to green. Oh, and he's also first in course history. So he's quite good. Um, Justin Thomas has finished 17th or better in seven of nine career appearances here at this event, including six in a row that he's finished 17th or better. And he had a solo fourth last year. So both these guys are extremely good in course history, extremely good when it comes to this course. Um, and again, putters are something that can be mitigated this week, which definitely helps in Scotty's case and occasionally helps in Justin Thompson's case, depending on the week. He's a little more, he's, he's a little more hit and miss depending on the putter, but I think they're both extremely viable options. Yeah. I think both, I, you have to get one of these guys in your lineup. I mean, yeah. Scotty's back-to-back titles going for a three-peat um, and the year before that he was seventh, Justin Thomas, four, eight, 13, three and three. That's ridiculous. And he's coming into it off a heater. He looks like, you know, one of the best players in the world. Once again, this could be a really good course for him to capture another W and really get on the path to getting back at some major championships. In terms of DFS pricing, saving $1,600 on a guy that in the model that we're looking at, Scotty is probably going to finish top five and Justin Thomas is probably going to finish top 10. Yep. $1,600 to me is a crazy amount. And I would rank Justin Thomas in my DFS model above Scotty Scheffler this week. I I completely understand that. Um, again, if you are really crunching the numbers and you want to try and put as much value in your lineup as possible, it makes sense to go with Thomas. Um, I do think that Scotty is probably a lock for top 10 this week, though. So if you want, in my, in my opinion, what is the arguably the most secure pick 
um, you might just have to pay that extra sixteen hundred and go up to Scotty. Yeah, I just think that sixteen hundred dollars saved can be reinvested so much more in getting a high caliber nine K versus two eights. Um, yeah. But I mean, you're not going to go wrong with Scotty Scheffler leading off your lineup and going for a third title here. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, I think we're both pretty set on those. Uh, I think we'd both probably go JT one, Scotty two, just based on their pricing. Um, into the 9K range we go. Let's go Max Homa at 9,800, all the way down to Wyndham Clark at 9,000. Yeah, uh, last week's champion, Wyndham Clark, um, does have an interesting record here. Uh, top 10 last year, missed cut the year before, and then a pair of 34 and 30, 36 finishes. So not bad, um, but Wyndham Clark does have a history of being a little sketchy. You know, he missed cut in every major and then goes out and wins missed cuts in some events and then goes and finishes top five. So that's not necessarily uncommon for him, but I do think that guy, I mean, Sahih Figala had a chance to win when he was what 21 and then had the arguable worst course management decision ever. Yep. Um, Sung J M has dominated this event before um, six last year, two top tens in the last five years for yep. shortening it up. Jordan Spieth. Um, this is a really good course for him. He's got four top tens in the last decade, along with two missed cuts. So it's a little scary, but I think he's in good course form. And then Burnsy is bitten us again in the fact that he's continuing to finish top 10. And this course history here is no joke with Sam Burns. Yeah, Bur- Burns is the one guy course history, in, in my mind, in course history world that still scares me. Just because I've seen... Sam Burns do this where he starts to creep up the board in terms of price points and then just lays the dud and just yeah. misses the cut altogether. His so I last think, five finishes here are six miscut, 22 miscut, miscut. So exactly. It's, it's going to be extremely risky. Um, I think in terms of single entries, um, if you're trying to go for high risk, high reward, he's probably one of your better options. If you, if you can go Justin Thomas, Sam Burns to start your lineup, on like a really fancy single entry where the win- first place guy wins everything. Um, it's not a bad option. Um, but outside of that, I'd probably avoid Burns. I like Sungjae. Again, you kind of mentioned it. He's got two top tens um, in his last four starts here. His other his other finishes were T17 and T34. Um, so he's got pretty good form at this course, all things to get all things considered. Um, you mentioned it with Speeth a little bit too. He's a little inconsistent here. He's got some some peak weeks, some miscut weeks. Um, but I don't think he's the worst option at 9,500. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing about what I go back to um, with Sungjae that I think his pricing is actually really good here. He's had a couple slip yeah. up weeks, um, you know, last week and two weeks ago, which I can't remember offhand. Farmers, both California courses, didn't look fantastic. I think this is a really good bounce back week opportunity for him to build some momentum and then go into the players here in a couple of weeks. Um, I, I think the only three guys that I'm really going to go after are Sungjae, Spieth, and Home in this category. Yeah. Um, you could get to a Clark. I love the pricing. Defending champion, or not defending, last week's champion at 9,000. That's yep. arguable, and he's done it here before. But this category, man, there's some guys that can really outperform their value, and there's some guys that can really underperform on this value. I, d- I don't hate even going back to Tagala, personally. Like, I, I get it if you do it. Um, he might be more of a one-and-done play than anything else. In my in my mind, maybe less of a DFS option and more of a uh, more of a one and done option, more just because of his his kind of streakiness as far as it goes. Um, but if if you sit there and you're like you want to be different, 
I don't hate going Thigala as well. All right, into the 8K range we go. Uh, let's do JT Poston at 8,900 all the way down to Big Bo Hostler at 8,000. Yeah, let me just say JT Poston is looking really good in this category. 8,900, six for six cuts. But let me just tell you really quickly, his performance coming into it um, is really good. Um, his la- his worst finish in the last four or as starts for him five weeks overall is 20th. Now, granted, last year he did miss the cut at this event, but um, four for four previously on top 40 models. So if you're looking at that and coming into it with course form, I think 8,900 is a really good target for this category and should be in a DFS lineup for a lot of people. Yeah, I think he's kind of on the bottom of that. Maybe Ben on, maybe Ben on, or Min uh, Min Wu could do it. I say, I feel like he's on the bottom of the tier, but then there's a few guys below him that I also like. He's been playing so well, I totally get getting getting up to JT Post. And he's in kind of a weird price point, in my opinion. Um, If you're taking... JT and another, you know, 9K guy like a Sungjae or Spieth or or Homa, um, getting to somebody like Post in the 8900 is extremely difficult. You're probably going to end up closer to like Hideki um, at 8400, who I also don't dislike. Um, he's won here twice. He's also finished T29, T8, T42, T16, and T15 in here in his last five starts. So the guy makes plenty of cuts. He's basically been top 40 in all of them. Um, I think he's a little bit more of a, of a reliable option there at 8,400. I also don't hate an Eric Cole option right above him at 8,500. Um, again, guy's known for his irons. This is an iron-specific course. Um, and again, I'm quite comfortable going back to the well on Eric Cole. Um, I think if you start to get below Hideki and Eric Cole, that's probably the, the, the big drop-off I notice, in my opinion, if you can get three mate nah, I doubt you're getting four guys who am I kidding unless you're starting with like Wyndham Clark at that point and you're just taking all four guys right there um but I think Eric Eric Cole and Hideki kind of make a bit of a tear break for me yeah Eric Cole I think a lot of people were thrown off by that miscut at the farmers but we if you followed our podcast at least we said this is going to be the week that he misses a cut yep. he missed the cut I don't think is anything more than just he did not fit the model that week at all um, I think Min Woo Lee is an interesting one here. Obviously, no course history to kind of reflect on, but he fits all the metrics. And goodness gracious, is he a great golfer? 8,700, really reasonable price for this guy. He's he's had a bit of a slow start to the season. If that's probably the only like trepidation, you know, yeah, trepidation on Min Woo Lee. And again, we say that yeah, it's like 43rd, but he's been priced quite high, and now he's a little bit lower, so it's a little more practical, but. I mean, I think there was a few points there where he was the, what, fourth or fifth highest guy in terms of price point. So getting 43rd, you're not, like, stoked on. Uh, but I think, again, this this could be a nice bounce-back week for Minwoo. If, if, you yeah. want, if you want somebody in terms of, like, you know, living it up for the crowd, like Ricky Fowler style, I mean, Minwoo Lee is carrying that. He's going to do great this week. Uh, but it's just going to be a question of, of true performance. Yeah, I, I think Ricky Fowler is a really interesting guy in this category because obviously being a former winner, obviously he's had a couple of missed cuts since then, um, including not some great form coming in. But like I said about Sungjae, this could be a really good course for him to kind of get on track for the year. I think if he can get the putter going, which isn't necessarily his the biggest strength here, but if you're going to gain strokes in the field, if you're Ricky Fowler compared to the ball strikers at the top five of this field, that's how you're going to have to do it. Um, and then I also think Adam Scott is an interesting one 
only starting here, he finished 38th, and he's coming into it with a couple top 20s. He was under the weather last week, and he came out with top 20 in horrific conditions, so I think he feels confident with his game. Um, he's already got three top 10s in the year, so he's doing just fine. Yeah, uh, he's a good option. I also I like a lot of this range. I think Benny on is a pretty good choice there at 8,800. Guy has been on a proverbial heater now for a couple of weeks. He's got a couple top 10s to start off the year. Um, and this is a course that kind of adheres to his style of play. Um, his putter's a little bit wonky sometimes. So him and him not having to worry about it this week could make for a very interesting option. If I didn't already use him, he probably would have been one of my one and like one of my, my winners picks this week. Um, all right. Um, Adam Hadwin was one of the guys I talked about who hasn't missed a cut in each of the last five years. He's a boring option at eight K. Um, but he's a safe option, I guess, if, if that's if there's a good way to describe it. Like he's not winning you top 20s, but he's not missing cuts. And I think you, I think there are more valuable versions of that farther down the board. Yeah. Jumping into the 7K here, I always talk about how 7,500 and below in terms of pricing is where I really kind of separate. Just make the freaking cut. Yep. Um, a couple of guys just above that. Obviously, you take a look at um, Alex Noren, who's been really good about making cuts. Brian Herman, who hasn't missed a cut here since 2014. Um, you know, Dietrich, who's been really good and performing really well. This is a very scary category for me, and I think it's a trap category because you take a look at a guy like Andrew Putnam, who's done fine. He hasn't killed it, but he's at a top 10, made cuts, top 40. Um, in the last four, or excuse me, five years, he's missed the cut here four times. So I think that's a little bit of a trap. It's a little scary. I think if you're taking a look at this category, you have to be very, very safe. So three guys that I think are safer than the rest in this category are Brian Harmon, yep. Thomas Dietrich, and I think you can get away with Kurt Kitayama. I think his irons are really, really good. His one weakness is the putter, which has cost him strokes on pretty much every single field he's been on if you take a look at the data. If he just has an average putter week, that's going to cancel out. And making the cut should be an issue, and I can see can see him at least getting top fifty. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a little bit there. Um, I agree. I think Brian Harmon's a great option this week. Again, has you said he hasn't missed a cut here since 2014. Yeah, not not amazing finishes: 42, 14, 36, 49, 39, 24, 58, 66. But 10 years, pretty good. I mean, 7,800, probably the fourth guy in your lineup, maybe fifth guy. If he's getting 40th, that's not bad. You can you can work with that. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that's a solid option at 7,800. Um, I'm going to mention Nick Taylor at 7,200. I don't hate going back to the well this week. I had him last week as well. Um, his big weakness is is off the tee, um, and you can you can get away with that here at uh, at waste management. You can allow it. It allows you to kind of spray it a little bit, and he's really good with his irons. I want to say he's top 40 on tour right now in, in his approach play as a whole, um, which I know is a bit of a generic stat, but but that's that's the option and that's what it gives me. Um, so I think I think those are probably my best options. Austin Eckroat has also been playing solid recently. Um, I don't hate going back to that well if you liked Austin Eckroat down there at 7,000. Um, I'm trying to think. I thought there was somebody else I liked in here. Did you did you mention Dietrich? Okay, then I'll I'll leave it be with Dietrich. But he's another interesting option that I don't hate. It's kind of a kind of a safe play. 6K range we go. Yeah, uh, let me just say right off the bat, good luck. <laughs> um, one guy that I think a lot of people are gonna go to, including me, are Jake Knapp. 
I think a lot of people saw his third place finish uh, at the waste management. They're biting at him. Like you talked about, he is a bomber, but you don't necessarily need to be the most accurate here. You just got to be kind of accurate. And if you're a bomber, that's obviously what you're going for. And then I think Nick Hardy is another really good option. He's been quietly, quietly making every cut. He's been quietly in that 20 to 30 range for the majority of tournaments. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on him this week. Um, and I think he could maybe outperform his value down here in the 6K range for sure. There you go. Um, I'm going to start off with the guy at 6,900 that I also thought was interesting. Uh, hole in one, Sam Ryder. Uh, nope. It's, it's an interesting option if you want to go that route. Um, is it my first choice? Absolutely not. Um, I would probably, I actually don't hate going Jake Knapp if you like that route as well. Um, I'd probably prefer him over Ryder. But again, if you want a bit of a flashy play, he's probably the optional option. I don't want to see that ESPN commercial again for the rest of my life. <laughs> you, you, the, the worst part is you will see it 30 times this this week. I promise you. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think a lot of the casuals of the world will see Sam Ryder. They'll remember he made a hole in one here. They'll click him as their sixth guy. Uh, so keep that in mind when you're going through it. Um, another guy I'll mention is Ben Coles. He's at six. He's at 6,600. Um, he's had a bit of a hit and miss start to the season, but all things considered, there's some scrubs in this area, in my opinion. Um, and somebody who, who's a fresh face like Ben Coles, who's who's been decent enough to start off, that he's got a good chance to uh, to make a dent here at waste management, especially in what is now I'm now considering a weaker field with all these withdraws. Um, I don't hate going to the well at Ben Coles, especially if he's your sixth guy, which I sure as heck hope he could be. Um, and then the last guy I'll mention is at 6,100, Luke Donald. Um, he is really kind of the safety valve if you want to go extremely top-heavy. I don't recommend going down to him at, if, if possible, but he's made four of his last five cuts on tour. His weakness is off the tee, which, again, can be mitigated here. And he's like, what, 47-ish now? Um, so he's not in his prime, but he was really elite for a long time within 50 yards of the hole. And so I am uh, I, I personally am, am relying on Luke Donald this week. This may be one of the last weeks we're not a video <laughs> podcast. And I wish you could see my face because Luke Donald has not made a cut at this event in the last decade. Perfect. No Former time, number one player in the world. No time like the present to start making a cut. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, it is. It is scary. I don't know about it, even though I'm a Luke Donald fan. Um one old head that I may get to this week, depending on if you're in this field or in this range, which probably would argue that you shouldn't be, yeah. Charlie Hoffman. Old guy, always performs well in the desert. He's made nine of his last ten cuts here. He's been playing golf pretty much every week outside of last week. This could be an event, again, 7,500 below, just make the cut. If you have a 90% clip here in the last decade of making the cut, it's going to be a play for me in a couple lineups that I'm going to put out here. Charlie Hoffman at 6,500 is not the worst play for me. I'll, I'll ask you this. At 6,100, I, I was stuck on this in my research for a while. Do you like Luke Donald or Brent Snedeker better? Well, Luke Donald, in my model that I'm looking at here, ranked one spot below Brant Snedeker. Um, in taking a look, Brant's missed two of his last three cuts, and the only one he made, he was 78th. Yes. And it just hasn't looked good. But Brant's also missed the cut here his last two starts. There's you like if you, Nacho? I think that, <laughs> well, Nacho, his last four starts have been like miscut 65th, 65th or something like that. 
Yes. This is a scary territory because even if you look at Kevin Stadler, who has an exemption here from winning, he won and has missed the cut every single time since. Yep. You could yeah. I, I, steer away. That's what I would just say. It, it's a, it's a terrifying range. Um, but if you're stupid like me and you wanted to do something up top, uh, unfortunately, you will probably end up in this range. Can't wait for you to read your lineup and tell me Scotty <laughs> Scheffler is your number one. So why don't you go ahead and tell me your DraftKings lineup? Yeah, my DraftKings lineup is Scotty Scheffler, 11,600. Justin Thomas at 10,000. Eric Cole at 8,500. Nick Taylor at 7,200. Ben Coles at 6,600. And Luke Donald at 6,100. <laughs> I'm Let's going hope he makes the cut for the first time in the decade here. Top heavy and bottom heavy. We are we are running it. Uh, hey, all I'm saying right now is that every winner on tour so far to start the year has been over 100 to 1. So Luke Donald is definitely over 100 to 1 this week, and he's got a chance. <laughs> Jack is giving me the ugliest look of all time, by the way. <laughs> Listen, I'm a big believer in starting top heavy, and this is just scary um i went which is usually the flip i usually try to go aggressive i went with a really safe approach this week um justin thomas 10,000, minwoo lee 8700 eric cole 8500 adam scott 8300 thomas dietrich 7600 and jake knapp 6900 i know i talked about how jt poston was a really good steal in this category um but i just think the the four guys that i have below jt and minwoo lee all of a really good shot, number one, of not only making the cut, but just the way they play their game. I think the course will suit them well. Um, and I think they have a really good uh, chance to outperform that ADP. Yeah, they go. Uh, Jack went safe route. I went uh, I went borderline line crazy. I, w- I went a sane asylum route, but it was fun. And honestly, I think I have I have very good winning upside with 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 my with my six guys. Well, with my five guys and Luke Donald. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay because again, Luke Donald could finish, you know, 75th as long as he makes the cut. So, um, all right, FanDuel lineups we go. I'm going to start off. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, 12,600. Justin Thomas, 11,900. Hideki Matsuyama, 10,100. Eric Cole, 10,000. Austin Eckerot, 8,400. Luke Donald, 7,000. There you go. I, um, now took the top heavy approach of my fan duel, which usually it's the opposite. Um, I did the Scotty JT combo. So I think we are going to be sweating that pair for the next uh, four days. Yep. Um, then I paired it with Adam Scott once again and Brian Harmon. Harmon, I think is, even though it's not necessarily the price point I want, 45th to 50th, I'm happy with. Um, and then I have Jake Knapp and Nick Hardy, 8,400 and 7,900 alike. Jake Knapp, I mean, he's just going to bomb the ball. And I think Nick Hardy has really done a good job of course management through all different types. Um, And I think the desert may suit him, actually. There you go. Um, All right. How about you start us off with bets? Because, oh, wow, you only have seven this week. Okay. I had two withdrawals. Oh, that's true. Okay. I forgot about that. That makes sense. Yeah. So these are my seven bets to start. Um, As always, these are just the initial odds put out on Monday. Um, so throughout the course of the week, up until Wednesday night, I'll be continuing to look for extra bets. Make sure you go to Turn Dogs Pod on Twitter to get the best bets uh, moving forward for the rest of the week. But as of now, the podcast bets will include Justin Thomas top 20 at minus 138. That line has been bumped like crazy. 
Um, it is unbelievable, so I'm very happy to have him at that number. JT Poston, top 40, minus 175. Minwoo Lee, top 40, also minus 175. Eric Cole, top 40 at minus 140. Kurt Kitayama, top 40, plus 110. I think of the putter's average. Irons will carry it. Thomas Dietrich, 46th or better, is minus 120. And then Sung J.M., top 40, minus 200. Just going for half a unit there. There we go. I mean, hey, I tr- I tried the uh, the like roughly half a unit last week, and it didn't didn't go very well for me. Um, I ended up doing five. I only had four listed in our in our bets on the site, but I actually had a fifth one. I forgot to throw in there. Uh, my first one is Hideki Matsuyama, top forty at minus one forty. Uh, my second one were squad riding JT, top twenty minus one thirty eight. Come on, Justin Thomas, I need you this week. Uh, my third one is going to be Sung J.M., top 30 at minus 125. Um, I'm also doing Eric Cole, top 30 at, at plus 110. Um, and then I have Alex Noren as the top Swede at plus 110 over Vincent Norman and Alex Bjork. Um, Vincent Norman has made one cut here out of his four starts. So I feel pretty good that he's probably not taking down Alex Noren. So if you're telling me it's an Alex Noren versus Alex Bjork head-to-head, and Alex Norton is plus money. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a chance. I mean, I, th- th- those are those are generally ones I feel pretty confident on because again, they just got to beat one guy. Um, are we going winners or wildcard picks? I kind of like uh, my winners. Um, I think okay. you see a trend with what I did, but I'm yep. happy to go wherever. Uh, let's go wildcard picks then. We'll save winners for last. All right. Well, I did as much as I saw through our doc, and as much as we've mentioned these names, they're gonna have to perform. Justin Thomas and Scotty Scheffler, top 10 anti-parlay, plus 311. There you go. I mean, hey, you went you went top-heavy on a few of these, but uh, I hope for your sake and my sake that I have them in both lineups that they both end up top 10. Because if that hits for you, if that wild card pick hits for you, I'm going to win some money this week. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, is, you know, the last two years, it would have hit both times. So yeah. I'm hoping for a third. There you go. Um, I had some fun with my wild card pick. Again, uh, th- this is one that, that we want to keep an eye on more than anything else. I'm doing Sam Ryder top 30 at plus 275. Uh, you know, a little, little, little bias based on the whole one, but I thought it'd be fun. Uh-huh. to. I want to keep an eye on him this week. I do think he could be interesting. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to throw him in top 30. I wonder what the odds for everybody, usually the odds for someone specific to get a hole in one is right around plus 10,000. Yeah. I wonder if it'll be low and lowered for this week because everybody's assuming that one's going to happen. Uh, probably. I didn't even look at hole in one odds. I really should have. It would have been an interesting. It bet. was like minus one twenty, I think, last time I saw for one and like minus one ten. That was not like it was right around cut. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I almost you you can almost throw that in as a bet somewhere depending on where it was. I thought it'd be a little more uh, a, l- a little further away from even. I thought it'd be like plus one thirty for hole in one, but. Okay. Um, all right. Like one, two in the last three years, something like that. That's true. And 17 is like 165 yards. So it makes sense that that, uh, <gasps> that would happen more frequently than that. He said 17, ladies and gentlemen. We or got him. Six, 16. Sorry. Yeah. To be fair, 17 is like 320 yards. That one's also drivable. So. Yeah. Sahib knows that too well. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, all right. Do you want to talk about your winners? Because I, I noticed the theme almost immediately. Yeah, it is pretty fun. I want both JTs. I want Justin Thomas, JT, 
and then I went JT Post and JT. Yeah, you had Justin Thomas in there initially. Um, I actually threw my winners in first, um, and then I went to go switch one of my winners because I actually really liked the idea of going JT this week. And then I saw you had JT, and I was like, all right, we're switching it up again. We are not going to go. I can't squad ride JT with you, even though that probably would have been. I think it's going to be a good call at the end of the yeah. week. Uh, admittedly, uh, for one of my winners, I originally had Scotty Scheffler. And if I have the option to bet somebody more than once a year, Scotty Scheffler is who I'm picking as a winner this week. But I can't do that because I have to. I, I feel obligated to save him for another week. Um, so I am taking Ricky Fowler and Brian Harmon. It's it's kind of ugly. It's not the prettiest thing of all time. Uh, but, you know, I, we're, we're, we're going to make it work. And I, I actually feel pretty good about Harmon. I think Fowler is going to be a little bit more of the, the streaky play because his ball striking can be either top, top, top tier. Yeah, either top, top tier or God, does it look butt ugly. Yeah. Um. So that he's he's a little more nerve wracking, but I think in a weaker field like this, this is the kind of tournament that he would do well in. I don't hate it. I think um Harmon. I don't I don't know if he's possible of that winning ratio here for winners pick, but I do like Ricky. I think everybody in the world's rooting for him, and I think uh we're gonna see some Sunday orange possibly by the coming out of sixteen. I was gonna say if if Ricky's in contention on Sunday, sixteen is getting rowdy with him then i mean we are... God. i don't know how many shuttle buses <laughs> have a trash bag ready on their drive out to the parking lot oh exactly if ricky's in contention on sunday going into 16 even minwoo's in contention going into 16 on sunday like if anybody with that with an ounce of personality walks up to that t-box close to the lead it's it's going to be a dangerous sight for for some people that's for sure so our goal right. next year in the tournament is I want one player to be wearing a turd dog golf pod jersey. No, no I don't know how. No shot, but it'd be fun. I don't, I don't know it's how we pull that. Kevin Stadler, Kevin Stadler, I will order you. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we'd have to find somebody that could do it. I mean, shoot, now Mackenzie Hughes knows who we are. So maybe if Mackenzie Hughes plays next week we'll, uh, or next year. Um, we'll have to, we'll have to send him a care package with some stuff. So if you don't know the backstory behind that, um, you'll have to check us, check out our socials. Um, Jack, Jack did give a little bit of insight to it, guys. I'll let you go here in a minute, uh, before we, you know, move next week to Genesis, but we are going to try and move some of this to a, uh, video as well as an audio podcast. Um, I am working on some of my software basically to get this set up on YouTube um, so it's going to be on Turn Dogs Pod or Turn Dogs, I think it's Turn Dogs Pod or Turn Dogs Golf Pod. Um, I will do some research and make sure I throw it in the description. Um, and Jack will, po- I'm sure, post about it on um, Twitter as well and make sure that he lets people know about it. But TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and then uh, Apple and Spotify are going to be basically our homes from from here on out. Yeah. We're going to have it on all those fronts. And if you can, if you've made it this far. It takes five extra seconds. We would really appreciate a rating. Um, that way our podcast is produced and showcased a little bit more. We put in a lot of effort outside of this um, to make sure we make you guys some money at the end of the day and obviously help pay our bills and have some fun too. So um, if you enjoy it, just go ahead and leave a rating or a comment. We're pretty – tweet me. Do whatever. I'm here. I work remote. Yeah, we don't we don't ask for, for too much from you guys, but but if you, if you do leave the comment, uh, Spotify generally – 
uh, sees that and intends to kind of promote the podcast a little bit more on their on their front specifically, um, which is just something that's nice and beneficial for us. And fortunately yeah. for everybody else, doesn't Plus, cost them anything. Pods. Yeah, I was gonna say we're not one of these podcasts that's saying you got to pay like twenty bucks a month to get our stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no Patreons with us. We're not messing around with that. Um, but what we'll do then, guys, is we will leave you with this. Um, again, keep an eye out in the coming probably week or two. I'm sure next week on the podcast, I will mention the YouTube side again. Um, and we'll get in a little more detail on that. But look out here in the next two, three weeks because we are going to have video podcast as well. So it's going to be a fun time. Um, I will leave you guys at that. And we will see you next week at the Genesis. Deuces.